Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. I'm joined by Vicar Hill. And we get to discuss the readings for the 15th Sunday after Pentecost. If you would like to listen to the readings, you can do so on the readings podcast that was previously dropped. So the gospel lesson is really interesting. It comes to us from St. Mark, the seventh chapter. And there's a lot happening. We have two healings, which seem to actually take a backseat to a discussion that Jesus has with the woman of the demon-possessed daughter. And so you have Jesus, he leaves from talking with the Pharisees, talking with the crowds, talking with the disciples, and he goes to a house, and it's almost as if he's trying to hide. He did not want anyone to know, and that's, that's verse 24. Yet he could not be hidden. Is he just a really bad hide-and-seeker, or how do, you, how do you take this, Vicar? Well, one of the neat things about Mark's gospel is it's really jam-packed with things. Yes. And it's kind of cut to the chase. Right. Um, we don't get a whole bunch of details on a lot of things. It's just bam, 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 kind of action after action. And this is kind of flowing right from what we had last week. And yeah, it, it's almost like... Jesus has been doing so many healings, mm -hmm. cleansings, making things new, and now people are really starting to follow him, and he's trying to to get away. And it, it, it's almost to me like this is kind of the human side where okay. he just needs a break. He just needs to to get away a little bit and maybe get away from the crowds that have been following him. And he kind of takes this strange journey up to Tyre and, and Sidon and is is trying to get away a little bit. That's how I take it. So he took the scenic route and he found this house and he couldn't be hidden. I, I, I like that approach. I'll go a step further. And uh, St. John of Damascus actually makes this interesting statement that Jesus being full human and full God, so the two natures, uh, human, humanity and divinity, in his human form, in his humanity or human nature, he couldn't fully conceal his divinity. People knew that something different was there. So wherever he went, it was, there's something different about you. And again, look what he just got done doing. He, challenges, he challenged the Pharisees in the open, and he won. And then on top of that, he continued to teach about that challenge to the crowds and then the disciples. And he did this very respectfully, but he did it through scripture, through the application of faith. It wasn't obey the law because I said so. This is why it benefits you. This is what it does to you. And people are talking. You don't talk to the Pharisees like that and remain in good standing and remain good because the Pharisees are the authority. So I think that's huge. And the miracle things that you brought up, uh, 
I'm wondering if the crowds are following, waiting to see what is he going to do next? And, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or impinge anybody's faith, but he has a following. He has his disciples, then he has the greater disciples, the 72, and then he has everybody else. And what are they looking for? I, I really don't know. And they might not even know right. what they're looking for. Yeah. Because they're seeing these things that have not really happened before. Or maybe mm-hmm. they've never been eyewitnesses to the casting out of demons, healing sick people. These are things that they don't see every day. Right. And so it's they might they might just kind of be along for the ride, if you will, just waiting to see what's gonna happen next. Is there gonna be another showdown with the Pharisees? Because like that, that doesn't happen every right. day. So um yeah, I wonder too if they're if they're following and and probably some faith there, at least with many of them. But then there are probably others who just want to see what's going on because they don't want to be the person who missed what oh, yeah. this Jesus of Nazareth did yeah. next. Um, so it's interesting that the crowds are kind of following and he's he's making his way uh, and we see where this leads up. So he's in this house and immediately, and that's Mark's big uh, statement for a transition, immediately this woman comes to him and tells him about her daughter who is demon-possessed. Now, this woman is a Gentile. She is not a Jew, and she goes to a Jew, a well-known, infamous Jew, Jesus, and says, heal my child. And she fell at his feet. Yes. So it's not just, oh, hey, Jesus, what's going on? You want to do me a favor? I mean, she is coming in humility Mm -hmm. and literally falling at his feet and making a request. Well, there's, it goes even a step further. This is an act of worship. Um, it's submission. It's She knows her place before him, which is really huge, especially as a Gentile. She may have some cursory knowledge. I mean, we have no idea of what she knows about the Jewish religion, the Jewish rituals. But what does she do? She acts appropriately before God. And that's kind of how Mark does things in yeah. his gospel. He just kind of drops us right in there. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of left speculating, okay, how much right. did she know about Jesus? Had she just heard that he was capable of doing these healings? Mm-hmm. Uh, what level of faith did that really come with? Or was this just a last gasp kind of thing? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I I like the idea that the Holy Spirit so moved her. She heard of all these things. And... I don't think she fully understands, but neither do disciples and neither do we. (laughs) She hears of this. He's healed others. And I really do think there's a question, why not my daughter? But I also think that, as you said, there's some faith in there. What has he also said? What has he also done? I will go here. And again, I like the idea that the Holy Spirit using that little knowledge, that little faith, she goes to the place where she will find relief, healing, and where she'll find God, a true encounter with God. And she begs him to cast out the demons, the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus, being the, the wonderful Messiah, he, of course, listens and responds by saying this very interesting thing. And I think we ruined this. So he says to her request to heal to cast out the demon. Let the children be first, 
for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, let me say this again. Let the children be fed first. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Are you saying the way that we read it could make yeah. a difference oh, in absolutely. how we understand this? Well, and it's really hard because did Jesus just call this woman a dog? And we're going to say, well, actually, he does. Yes. Uh, there's a commentator, and uh, Dr. Linsky, and he actually says that uh, the English translation messes this up because when we think of dogs, we don't really equate humans to dogs, and that's not what Jesus is saying. And um, he actually talks about uh, the Orient. You have all these dogs running around, and they don't have a place, they don't have a home, and they're just wild dogs that, that live everywhere. There's no relation between people and these dogs except the people have to deal with them because they're getting into the trash. They're a nuisance and things like that. That is not what Jesus is calling this woman. In fact, he's saying little dog. Um, when we were talking and discussing, you actually said puppy, little puppy. And this actually changes everything because we treat our dogs, our pet dogs, with a place at in the household. We care for them. We feed them. We water them. We make sure they have all that they need. We take them to the vet, so on and so forth. They are part of the family. We do things for them. And when Jesus calls her a little dog, a pet dog, he's talking about she has a place in the household, but it's a different place than the Jews. It's a different place than the children. They have a seat at the table. And all Jesus is saying, and this is hard for us to, to hear uh, in our, our polite society, all Jesus is saying is, I've come to the children of Israel. And you're here too to hear this. But I have to talk to these people first. I have to deliver the goods to these people first. And what I really like about this, and I thought you said this really good uh, pre-recording, uh, the disciples, when they heard the parable that we talked about for, for two weeks about the what's cleansed or what's being cleansed uh, and defiled and the washing of hands, the disciples pulled Jesus aside and say, can you tell us what you mean? We're, we're, we think it's neat that you're arguing with the Pharisees, but we don't get it. It's the uh, the classic man, hand, <laughs> yeah. hand behind the head, rubbing the back of the yeah. head. Yeah, I don't really get it. Right. And that's kind of how they approach Jesus. And then we see in last week's reading, he actually takes the time to, to give them some further understanding. But it is interesting, the contrast between the disciples, the followers who have been with yeah. Jesus the whole time. And then you just have this woman, a Gentile, meeting Jesus for the first time. Yeah. And she grasps what yeah. he's saying. Wholeheartedly. Because, and what I appreciate about this rendering that you just walked us through is that a lot of people read this text and they go, oh, yeah. Jesus, that that's a little harsh there, Jesus, isn't it? And they take it as he's he's really laying into this woman yeah. and and really tearing her down. Um, and that's why I appreciate what you said, because it's, it's not that, I don't think anyways, no. that's not really what's going on. And when you understand it's more, it's almost more familial than that. Mm -hmm. 
It's just there's kind of an order to the family. Right. And that's the key that you're talking about with the relationship between the Messiah coming for Israel first and foremost, and then everyone else. Right. And, and on top of that, though, look how the woman responds. Uh, I, I don't get that she's offended by this statement. Mm-mm. In fact, she stands up to Jesus. Now, I, I still think that she is uh, on her knees in a position of worship, but she's quick. She has a response ready for Jesus, unlike the disciples who ask, can you tell us what you really mean? <laughs> she challenges Jesus in a good way, respectfully, and, and she has this great statement, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs, and let's do pet dogs, under the table, eat the children's crumbs. That's a huge statement because she knows her place, and this isn't a subservient, you know, you're, you're kind of apart. She knows where she stands with Jesus, and she's okay with that. She gets what Jesus is saying. You're the Jewish Messiah, and I live in your house. It's almost like in this respect, his reputation truly precedes him yeah. because everyone's probably talking about him as this Jewish teacher right. who's doing these weird things. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's whispers going around of who he really is, and so she knows Unlike herself, he's not a Gentile. Right. And so he is not there for her primarily. Mm-hmm. And she, I love that she kind of extends his uh, metaphor or analogy of the dog yeah. and just really embraces it and runs with it and then challenges him, like you said. And I think that's really neat. Yeah, boldly. And that's what I really appreciate, boldly. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And and I like this because with Jesus teaching, preaching, and even the miracles, it actually extends to the Gentiles. Jesus doesn't make an announcement, I am speaking only for the Jews. Gentiles, please leave. He speaks for everyone to hear. Again, the primary message is for the children of Israel who so happen to reject him or uh, will we'll later crucify him. And the idea, and I like this, this imagery, that uh, think of a, a dinner table, and you have the beautiful food, everything's out. Where are your dogs? <laughs> I know my dogs are under the table waiting. Um, I have this little you know 20-pound brown dog. I have no idea what she is. But she will nudge me to remind me, I'm here. I I can eat something if you want to give it to me. If you need any help with that, I'm right here. (laughs) But she's right there waiting. And she would be fed as I am fed or as the children of Israel are fed because the crumbs either fall or given or so on and so forth. And and I, I think that's an amazing statement of faith. She knows where she's going to be fed and where it's coming from. And the the awkwardness of this statement, I'm I'm trying to find a a better way to say it. She knows her place in this household. And and it's not bad, it's not mean, and it's not um, outside. And I liken it to the Old Testament when God spoke to Moses, especially in the midst of their 40 years of wandering. When he had a big announcement, when there was a big celebration, when he was going to do something, He told Moses, gather all of Israel, all the sojourners, all the slaves, all the strangers. God pretty much said, if you see someone, go get them. 
I have something to say. Mm-hmm. Everything he had to say, God's laws, God's benefits, God's celebrations, were for the people of Israel so that others could see this peculiar people, this interesting work, this gift that really was for all people. And, and the big thing, and, and with Jesus' response, and he said to her, and I wonder Jesus' facial expression. I picture when she responds with that quick-witted mm-hmm. answer, pro- proclamation of faith, I kind of see his eyebrows go up, and I even see him kind of look at the disciples and be like, Come on, guys, do you see this? <laughs> this, this is what I've been looking for, right? right? Uh, uh, someone to, to finally kind of get it. Not yeah. that she gets the full picture, right. but at least gets it enough where she has faith in him mm-hmm. and is at his feet making a request, believing that he can grant that request. Yeah. And he responds to her, for this statement, you may go on your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. That's just a huge statement because I, I do, I, I like your, your, your imagery, looking at the disciples do you guys see this? Do this. <laughs> but this is a, a relationship of faith, a relationship of action. And it's not just because she said the magic words. It's not because she was in the right position. This is faith. I know where to go. I know what is here. To what extent, we'll, we will never know. And it doesn't matter because she had faith. Mm-hmm. Big, great, small, little, in between. There it is. And it happens as he says so, and as she receives. Absolutely. And I think there's there's a question that can be asked here. Um, maybe not a question. How do I want to phrase this? There's something to be said about the person and work of Jesus mm-hmm. in that not only he has this brief conversation with her, but then heals her daughter. Mm-hmm. And in a way that's pretty unique uh, because he just heals her. Yeah. From afar, right, which is a little unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon had gone. That's all we get. Yeah, and it's in direct contrast with the healing that takes place in the following verses. Then he returned from the region, and it goes on, and that's where he heals the beggar who was deaf and mute by physically touching him. So we have this interesting contrast between Jesus being able to heal from a distance Mm -hmm. and then immediately followed by a physical, tangible healing with his hands. What do you think of that? So I I like the idea that this is Jesus exercising his supreme authority, sovereignty over all things, just by the fact of him making the statement and willing it. It takes place. And I'll go a step further, and anybody can push back on this. The idea that with demons, this is a a spiritual, supernatural aspect. And Jesus has the power over the supernatural from afar. Mm -hmm. And this isn't something that he actually has to deal with in a physical way. And so just by his statement, speaking. And I like the idea, again, he spoke creation. Mm -hmm. Now he's speaking over this. Your daughter is healed. It's taken care of. And it's because of this statement, because of your faith, I have acted. And this isn't an if-then. It's not, again, you said the right words. It was, this is what I've come to do, even to 
the Gentile, even to the world. And I like that, again, because, again, the sovereignty and authority of God. But then the physicality of that. And uh, I go to back to creation. God speaks all things into creation except man. Hmm. He gets his hands dirty. He sticks his hands in the, the dirt, the dust, and forms man and breathes into him the breath of life. And what does he do to restore mankind? He gets dirty again. He takes on our flesh, becomes one of us, literally takes on our sins. But the idea of the, this putting his fingers in this deaf man's ears, spitting and touching the tongue, these are the things I have created. This is what I have power over, and I will release, loose, open, however you want to say it. I do this. And it's kind of just a very little glimpse of that getting dirty. Yeah. I mean, literally getting his hands dirty uh, to bring a little glimpse of res restoration right. to creation. And as we see, you know, the gospel of Mark progress, that gets more and more so with Jesus literally getting dirty and mm -hmm. taking on the cross. And that's where we get the his his crucifixion, mm -hmm. and we now await where he comes back and fully restores everything. Absolutely, and with anticipation, excitement, we get to see all these little glimpses for our benefit. And um, I really struggled in this gospel lesson with the idea of how do we apply this? Where is our application to our daily life? Yay, this little girl was healed. We thank and praise God for that. Yay, this man can now speak and hear. What do I have to do with this? Where, where does this work for me? And not in a selfish way, you know, not what's in it for me, but how do I apply Scripture? Where do I see myself in this? And I really see that we as Christians, where do we go for hope? Where do we go for answers? It's at the feet of Christ. And especially in America, we are generally a Gentile nation. And I don't mean that in unbelievers. We're, we're not immediate Jewish descent. And God still promises salvation. God still comes to us. And, and I, I'll allegorize this just a little bit. But the idea through baptism and through the Holy Spirit, our ears of faith have been opened and our tongues of faith have been loosed. Not only do we get to hear the gospel, but we get to speak it because we have been restored and we have been made uh, well because we know where to go. The Messiah has come. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.